ride like the wind. Is there a better way to just forget all your problems, guy, Anna, and just uh, jump on the yacht rock plane? And fly to heaven. I love it. That man has a mullet, doesn't he? <laughs> you can just hear the mullet coming through, and it's lovely. Well, with us is Katina from Thames. Kia ora, Katina. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, Koto. Kia ora, Koto. When you heard it is the night my body's weak, did you know the song? Absolutely. I was driving down the... Um down the seabird coast on the first of Thames, I had to pull over and text you. I've been waiting 45 minutes for you to play it. That's a great song. <laughs> isn't it? You said it's just one of your favourites. It's just, it's just unbeatable, isn't it? Yeah, such great bop. Like, it's got wonderful jive. And so thank you for the earworm this afternoon as I was driving home. That was really neat. So, let's, thank let's you. Bring, let's bring it up a bit. Here we go. 10 seconds. Hey, Ride like the wind. Kia ora, Katina. Hey, by the way, how are you? How are you in Thames? I'm fine, thank you. Personally, I'm fine. Um, I guess like many other parts of the country, there are patches where um, people aren't fine and there are people struggling. So, yeah, no, but I'm fine, thank you. Good on you. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, uh, all right. that is the earworm. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, that Yacht Rock classic, uh, Ride Like the Wind, the panel RNZ National. What happens when you're in debt to the government and you just can't pay it back? That's the case with over 450,000 New Zealanders who struggle with MSD debt. The Fairer Future Coalition released a report today detailing stories of New Zealanders struggling to make ends meet. And collectively, they are calling on the government to wipe Kiwis' debt to the Ministry of Social Development. Fairer Future... Well, they're made up of a number of groups, such as Auckland Action Against Poverty and Save the Children. And with us is Susan St. John, an honorary associate professor at the Economic Policy Centre and a spokesperson for the Child Poverty Action Group. Uh, Susan, kia ora. Kia ora. 461,000 New Zealanders uh, in, who struggle with MSD, the, the average amount is what, around three and a half grand? That's a lot of yeah. people, isn't it? Yeah, $1.7 billion worth wow. of debt. Is there any commonality, any common ground, Susan, on how that debt is racked up? Well, uh, largely it's overpayments, which might relate to some sort of change in a person's circumstance that they don't realise and don't notify the ministry about and find that they've overstepped the mark so they get told they've got this amount of money that they must repay. Um, Or there could be loans. People get into desperate circumstances. They simply can't cover their essential costs and may get something called a recoverable assistance loan, which then has to be repaid. And those, those actually are the two major reasons for the debt. There's a very small amount of actual fraud almost insignificant compared to the other two. And the Fair Future Coalition, your profile, or seven stories were profiled. Can you tell us a bit about um, one of those stories? Uh, Well, the stories are actually quite complex and it's very hard to 
explain just how mm. evil and wrong the system is for so many, I would uh, urge readers to get hold of a copy of this report and just read these stories and think about them empathetically as to how they would cope in circum- similar circumstances. There's such a wide range of reasons why people end up in the situation where they've been in deficit, their benefits have been totally inadequate. How do they manage? Do they just suffer it, suffer the hardship, or do they go for borrowing? And if they do, then the repayments make the deficit even larger next time. Mm. So I think, I think it's really important to, to sheet home the reason why we've got this incredibly poor situation. And it's because the system is far too complex and that the benefit reforms have not been implemented fast enough to make people's incomes adequate. Right, yes. Adam, 461,000 Kiwis, uh, average amount, uh, three and a half grand in debt. It's a lot of people, isn't it? Oh, it's so many people, it's heartbreaking. And it's, I mean, for some people who'll be listening, you know, you think, oh, three and a half grand, that doesn't sound like a huge amount of debt. But for someone who's who's struggling and going week by week, that's such a huge amount of money. So I really feel for these people, especially when it's admin related, essentially, you've, you've, this is a, a bureaucratic snafu that people find themselves in. And um, I mean, I guess it's like, how, how can we actually help to make this change? What do you suggest, Susan, that, that might be, well, I mean, you've said read the report. What else might people be able to and do? Al- and, and also just realise that there is a reason why benefits have to be increased markedly. We also have to look at some of the rules that result in overpayments, such as the rules around relationships, Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the examples in the report refers to the case where a relationship was said to have been in place by the ministry, and of course that wasn't what the person themselves thought, but because of that they were entitled to far less. And so in those cases you can get debt twenty, thirty, forty thousand. Not oh, just three and a half thousand, and that can hold. That can be hanging over. <clears throat> a person's head for the rest of their lives. Mm. And we need to couple that with other debt because this, this report only talks about the Ministry of Social Development. We've got to look at the way in which families are going increasingly into debt with the IRD. And there's a number of reasons for that which reflect very poorly on the kind of welfare reforms that we haven't had yet. <laughs> Right, Sorry, Susan, I'm struggling to get my head around this just as someone who's new to the topic as a, a very privileged person. I Can you just explain, you were talking about it being evil and wrong. What is it, the fact we're letting people get into debt, is it predatory lending? What is it that's making this so evil and wrong? I, no, I don't. No. no, no, we haven't even got to that kind of predatorial debt. Uh, loan sharks and, and that horrible thing where people just can't get enough out of the ministry. This is basic essentials, Um, isn't it? The likes of the uniforms, dental work, that type of thing. Am I correct? Well, yes. For the recoverable assistance, you're talking about absolute essentials that the family simply cannot cover, like funeral costs, bonds and rents, car repairs, car, child car seats, clothing, Dentures, power, that, those kind of things, glasses, school costs, a, a variety of things there. With the overpayments, it's a bit different 
they come about because of the excessive complexity of our system and often uh, they are the result of some kind of mistake, administrative mistake, rather than any fault of the individual. But they're extremely difficult to challenge. The appeals process is practically non-existent. And I'm looking particularly at IRD debt, working for family debt. Families can get these very confrontational letters. You have been overpaid, say $5,000, and must repay by the state or incur fees and penalties. No explanation, no way of challenging it. And very often, if you get a qualified person who knows what they're doing, they can get into it and see that actually there'd been some misallocated monies, which meant that at least some of that yet was not justified. Goodness. Um, we might uh, actually come back to this. It's quite a big topic, isn't it? Um, for now, um, uh, Susan Kiora, thank you for your time uh, there on this issue. Uh, that is Susan St. John, an honorary associate professor at Auckland University on this issue. It's a report out today uh, calling on the government to wipe uh, Kiwi's debt to the uh, MSD. So this, w- w- what's the situation here? You've got um, 460,000 Kiwis. Average amount of debt is around $3,500. What's it because of? It's because of the basic essentials, your uniforms, dental work, that type of thing. So a bit of a mismatch here. Anna Dean, if you can't, if you're getting to the hole for providing the basics, um, something has to happen. What's your sense on that? Oh, incredibly hard to get yourself out of that hole. And that's not how we want to be caring for our most vulnerable in this country. Uh, 15 to 5, you're on the panel. A lot of you are actually saying thank you to Guy Williams on bringing up the leg room issue. (laughs) He didn't bring it up, I brought it up. (laughs) So why don't I get thanks on the show? (laughs) No one ever thanks Wallace. You're the backbone of the show. (laughs) No one ever does thank me. No one does. Thank you, Guy. (laughs) Well, can can I say, Wallace, thank you for helping me to shine as the star of the show? Thank you, Wallace. Here's what... Guy's just nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) He really is. No one has ever said that before. I'm so stoked. (laughs) He really is the lead room expert. I just just find it a bit weird that in this day and age, people are paying different sums of money for having more lead room compared to less lead room. It's just weird. I don't know. It's just my thing. There's already $10 fees on a better seat. You know, it's just an extension of that. You're kind of you're, you're sort of justifying it, eh? You're, you're on the verge of justifying. You're saying people have, as a brand strategist, you're <laughs> yeah. saying that people have to make money, right? Well, it's always a bit of give and take. I mean, I'm I'm five foot eight, so I'm right in the middle. Look at you one. as part yeah. of the short elite, exactly, living yep. the dream with all your inches to spare. You're in business class no matter where you sit on yep. the plane. <laughs> short elite. <laughs> They rule the world, the short elite. I tell you what, they're so privileged. There's a new phrase for 2023. <laughs> for 14 to 5, the panel, the Public Transport Users Association is calling for a full independent inquiry into Inter Islander and Bluebridge to find out why its ferries keep breaking down. Parliamentary <laughs> questions from August show that 93% of Inter Islander ferries were on time in the 2018 financial year, but this dropped to... 68% in 2022. Stuff is reporting it's disrupting at least $14 billion worth of freight movements each year. I also see today that Consumer NZ has lodged a Cook Straight Ferries complaint with 
the Commerce Commission. So it has been discussed, isn't it? But this is heating up with us is the Public Transport Users Association National Coordinator, John Rees. Kia ora, John. Good afternoon. So you're wanting an inquiry. Explain this to us. What will that do? Well, look, we want to find out completely the reasons why Inter-Islander and Bluebridge ferries are both failing the public uh, and freight companies as well in such a dramatic fashion. I mean, here we're having many, many uh, services cancelled last minute and uh, tens of thousands of people are being disrupted. And it's it's not a good look for New Zealand for tourists because you've got to remember a lot of international tourists choose to cruise on those ferries. Mm. And uh, it's also not good for moving freight and the disruptions to the supply chain uh, system as well. So basically, at the end of the day, we need to find out why they're happening. Is it because of cost-cutting, maintenance issues? Um, is it the age of the ferries? Because until, well, actually, it was until the last government, the New Zealand First Labour government, decided to order some new ferries, there's been no brand new ferries ordered since about 1982. So they're using a lot of second-hand and third-hand ferry boats. So 1982, Anadine. <laughs> That's, That's right, a long Aramira, time ago. Aramira, That's New Zealand. We peaked in 1982. It's been all downhill since then. <laughs> yes, 19... You know, we had the Soccer World Cup. <laughs> yeah, who can forget? And we celebrated by ordering enough. a brand new theory. So, <laughs> so we've got this really... We would like to find out why, and we need the honesty of both the companies uh, to find out why this is happening. Um, and, yeah, maybe it is because we just have such old boats. Yeah. Well, my ferry sailing last week was cancelled on my way to Picton. Yes, it actually was. And um, no potential to rebook. I had an entire station wagon packed full of artworks for a performance explore. Oh, gosh. And um, all of my nice, you know, camping equipment and had to fly instead. And it was incredibly expensive, as you can imagine. But it was just me and I really felt for the staff who were working in those those, um, companies because... I'm sure they were they were copping a lot of flack, but I mean, I good on you. I think it is great that we find out. I was horrified actually when I went to book on Bluebridge and to see that they were also having um, electrical engineering issues. And I thought, come on, this cannot be the only way across the <laughs> island. I mean, really, honestly. So you had yeah, to fly. Had to fly. At huge expense. Yeah, twice. Yeah, seven hundred and fifty dollars return flights. Yeah. No. Yes. All right, stay there, John Guy. Yeah, full, yep. full disclosure, I'm actually being corrupted because I got a free upgrade last time I went on the ferry. So I, um, I've been bought by a big <laughs> ferry for Thank the you. price of $75. <laughs> but, John, do you have a guess as to why the ferries are constantly breaking down or do we need to wait for the report? Well, look, you've, obviously we've got to wait for the report, but I've got a feeling it might be around uh, cost issues with maintenance mm. Or, mm. or it's going to be that they keep buying very old ferries. And as we all know... If you have, like the Air Force had very old Hercules, if you keep yeah. buying old things, they break down all the time. Doesn't matter how much maintenance you do, old things break down. Just like, just like uh, us as we just, get a, Just a, an update on that. Daniel says, uh, John, uh, the Arateri was new when it arrived in '97, so uh, that is yeah. Uh, oh, that was yeah. yeah. That was leased. That was leased by uh, not owned <laughs> by by QRL. Man, New Zealand is a funny country, eh? All our cars, yeah. everything's, everything's second-hand or third-hand. It's the Kiwi spirit. John, is, can we build a tunnel under the Cook Strait, <laughs> or is that, does that cost $100 billion? Well, I know, given the price of the Auckland night rail, maybe it'll be cheaper to build a tunnel to the South Island. Yeah. So what, um, what, what, what would you like to get out of it? Would you just like to see? Well, I mean, look, look the, the, between the North and South Islands, that link is effectively part of State Highway 1. It's critical to New Zealand, mm-hmm. not just passengers, but freight. We, maybe we need to see a mandate that ferries can no, no longer be older than, say, 10 or 12 years to operate on it. 
So for a start, it means we're going to have newer newer stock on the on the lines there. Um, you know, potentially, it's going to be something like that. But we do need to do something, as we're all witnessing, and, and, your, and your panel noticed last week as well, that we've got to sort this out because we're also becoming a laughing stock with tourists who say, hey, New Zealand's a joke. They can't even get their main ferries sorted out. Yeah, that's true. We are a laughing stock. That's yeah. all we've got. I'd have to say, John, <laughs> on that note, uh, I haven't been on a, the ferry since 1982. <laughs> so I'm well due for a. Um, a bit of a um, ferry across. <laughs> well, you, you won't get on it. <laughs> It'll probably break down. It is lovely. As an official ferry yep. ambassador, it's a lovely trip when it does operate. And, John, just uh, on a lighter note, do they still have the band on the ferries? No, I didn't have a band last time I went on. I was on it in early December, and it, fortunately it ran that day. Uh, and it was one of those beautiful days to be on mm. the Antelope Ferry. So, but I didn't have a band, unfortunately. They do. They do still have the band. Okay. And the rule is, if you are a band touring New Zealand, I think you can fly for you can travel for free if you play a song, and it's lovely. Okay. Hey, good on you, John. And if the ferry, and if the ferry runs, yeah. Soon. That's John Reeves there, the Public Transport Users Association National Coordinator. There. I uh, offered to do some stand up, and they wouldn't let me do it. They didn't. <laughs> nah. Didn't want to see it. That's interesting, isn't it? The kids, they wanted to keep me away from the, the families. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, by the way, um, there's all responses regarding leg room. Sue says it's actually a health issue as well because deep thrain thrombosis or DVT from poor blood circulation and pooling of blood in a leg on long-haul flights due to lack of movement does kill people. So um, there's a real plethora of responses regarding Leg room, thank you for that. It's seven to five. You're on the panel on RNZ National. And just finally, I do want to acknowledge former National MP Chester Burroughs passing today. Chester Burroughs spent 45 years in the justice sector, including as a police officer, lawyer, and a member of the parole board. He spent a working life uh, working for justice and trying to improve a broken system. He was Minister for the Courts in John Key's national government also a member of the parole board and also took on the role of archdeacon in the Anglican Diocese of South Taranaki. And online, Julia Faiputi said, quoting, you will be remembered as a papa, husband, community man, church minister, advocate, artist, and someone who cared deeply for fairness and justice. And I do want to mention also an icon in the New Zealand arts world, Arns Westra, some of her work going back decades, for example, photographing the 1963 coronation at Marae in uh, Narua Wahia. With us is Chris Finlayson, uh, cousin to Chester Burroughs, also colleague. Chris, great to have you on. Nice to be here. And this was a life spent trying to improve a justice system, wasn't it? Yeah, I was amazed that Chester was an archdeacon because he was actually a Presbyterian, but that gives you an idea how he could reach across boundaries. His whole life was motivated by the Christian ideal of wanting to help his brother and sister. Uh, and as you, I thought, very accurately summarised, in a number of areas, he did his very best and his very best was excellent. Yeah, what, what I've heard, Chris, uh, and also anecdotally, was that as a detective working in a small town, he had a lot of mana, not just with the police, but also with those actually on the inside. He recognised the issues they faced. For example, you know, coming out of the prison gates, not enough money just to see them through to reintegrate into society. That, that type of stuff. Yeah, he never 
um, subscribe to what could be called the old-fashioned law and order stuff, or the you know the usual mantras of law and order. Chester was what the Canadians would call a red Tory, or I'd call a liberal conservative. Uh, he wanted to get results rather than be fixated by the ideology of lock them up or spring them up. And he really did try and help them. He saw them as people. Yeah, let's go. And if any got a, got a thought or a comment on this one, Anna? Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic that you talk about the way that he actually could it could cross those bridges and work across the aisle. That's the yeah. main thing. Of I'll remember him from his work in Parliament and just being actually committed um, to working, you know, on important issues. Yeah. Um, you know, it, this divisive party line stuff just is not um, up to scratch or up to standard with what we need now on climate change and drug reform. Someone says, Wallace, he was one of your panellists, was he not? He certainly was, uh, and uh, he was wonderful on the programme and on backbenches as well. He was, in fact, one of the first um, people in government to say, yes, I'll actually come onto the backbenches show because it was pretty new. Yes, I'll have a beer on the show and uh, I'll be part of it. Chris, while you're here, um, I mentioned also Arns Westra and you were Minister for Culture. You'd no doubt have come across Arns Westra's work. Yes, we lost two great artists today yeah. because, of mm. course, Chester was a, uh, he found this in later That's life, right. like D.W. Bush, um, a uh, watercolourist. Yeah. And so he... Um, developed quite a talent in that area and of course Arns Wester will go down in history as one of our great artists who made a, uh, a massive contribution so it is a sad day for culture as well. Yeah, nice to have you on Chris, kia ora. thank you. That's uh, Chris Finlayson there, remembering uh, cousin Chester Burrows, uh, golly, and also just uh, mentioning uh, Arns Wester. Um personally I just absolutely love to work and uh, had a um, rare privilege of having a long discussion with Arns Westra one afternoon at the Sweet Gallery in Wellington about her work. How should I, I'm not familiar, should I, how should I see her work? Where can I see it? Well, you can, uh, good question, if you want to go, actually, if you just uh, type in Arns Westra Sweet Gallery, S-U-I-T-E, they, they, they are the ones that have um, the catalogue. And wow. you've got work going back 60, 65 years of um, her, her, her famous work, I guess, was called Wash Day at the Par, where she just wanted to sort of actually catalogue and record every day, particularly amongst Māori, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. Very unique stuff, wasn't it? And, um, you'd, you'd know her work, Anna. Yeah, incredible black and white photography. And yeah. I remember one year for Cuba Duper, they blew them up huge um, out the back of Sweet Gallery. There's, there's, a, there's a huge catalogue of her work there. Okay. Yeah. Very, very, very good indeed. Uh, Helene says, I adored Chester. He was one of my baby MPs when I worked for John Key. Uh, wonderful to have you both go, Williams and Adine. Thank you very much for this afternoon. I'm Ross Chapman. I'll see you tomorrow, 3.45. Till then, cheers. Cheers. Thank you.